Good morning. Pastor Glenda welcomed you earlier to worship at New Peninsula. Likewise, I'm so glad we're all here, New Peninsula Church family and visitors, to learn from God's word, his wisdom for living. I wonder though, on day 28 of our coronavirus stage four lockdown in Melbourne, whether you're feeling a bit like this. Well, regardless of how we are feeling, let's come together in prayer. Lord, as we open the Bible today and learn what it teaches us about our words, please direct our hearts and minds to Jesus, the living word. Draw us to him in faith, love and likeness. We pray in his name. Amen. Today, we continue our series, learning from God's word through the Old Testament book of Proverbs, God's wisdom for living. Derek Kidner has written a marvellous commentary on the book of Proverbs. And just follow along these words from his introduction to that commentary. Make the bad people good and the good people nice is a child's prayer. It makes the point that there are details of human character small enough to escape the broad mesh of the Old Testament law and the broadsides of the Old Testament prophets and yet still decisive in personal dealings. Proverbs speaks to these details, asking what a person is like to live with or to employ how they manage their time, their life and themselves. The samples of behaviour that Proverbs holds up to view are all assessed in one criterion, which could be summed up in the question, is this behaviour wisdom or folly? The Proverbs speaks in very practical, sometimes even humorous terms. Have a listen to this um, teaching on the book of uh, on, on the subject of drunkenness from Proverbs chapter 23 who has anguish who has strife who is always fighting who is always complaining who has unnecessary bruises who has bloodshot eyes it's the one who spends long hours in the taverns trying out new drinks don't gaze at the wine, seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down. For in the end, it bites like a poisonous snake. It stings like a viper. You will see hallucinations and you will say crazy things. You will stagger like a sailor tossed at sea, clinging to a swaying mast. And you will say, they hit me, but I didn't feel it. I didn't even know it when they beat me up. When will I wake up? so that I can look for another drink. For decades, the great evangelist Billy Graham read from this book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs every day. He wrote, by reading five Psalms and one chapter of Proverbs daily, 
you'll be able to read through them each month. The Psalms will tell you how to get along with God. The Proverbs will tell you how to get along with each other. Some very practical advice. Last week, Pastor Dave introduced the book of Proverbs to us. And he pointed out that Proverbs uh, achieves two very good goals. It lights a path forward in uncertain times and it enables us to stand firm as followers of Jesus in the face of opposition and criticism from the world. For the next few weeks, we'll learn together as Proverbs speaks to hot issues of our day and in our world. Today, we focus on Proverbs and the world of words. And this was introduced so creatively and beautifully by Phoebe earlier on with Matt and Bear. I commend you, Phoebe. Working with animals and children is always regarded as very risky in the world of theatre and entertainment. And you and Matt and Bear all behave perfectly. You know, as a little boy growing up with my siblings and friends, I learned the saying, sticks and stones. Do you remember it? Just recently, I asked Wendy, my wife, to quote it. And she did, straight up. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names can never hurt me. And then immediately she said, but it's not true. And as we grow up, we discover how inaccurate that saying is. Words can and do hurt. I expect all of us have been hurt by words at one time or another, and sometimes deeply hurt and with lasting impact. And sadly, most of us, if not all, have hurt other people, including those we love, with our cruel and thoughtless words. So we get the expression, hold your tongue, bite your tongue. These are familiar sayings. In the New Testament letter of James, which is sometimes referred to the Proverbs of the New Testament, James the Apostle doesn't, uh, James the brother of Jesus, doesn't mince words writing about the tongue. Listen to what he has to say. If we put bits into the mouths of horses and make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast, beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame, can tame the tongue, a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. 
My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Our world of information technology and social media has created and generated a, a pandemic of self-obsessed and uncensored outrage and destructive speech and words. And we, our children and our grandchildren, are exposed to this barrage and so easily become infected, often without even recognising the damage. And then, of course, into all of this comes COVID-19 and confinement that creates its unique capacity of wars of words are forced on us by, uh, by close proximity to each other and boil over into frustration and conflict. So how then do we use words to build up and not tear down? And friends, this is where God comes to our rescue through the book of Proverbs. In our world, in the 21st century, the spread may be greater and the volume higher, but the destructive capacity of words is as old as humanity. And that's why Proverbs, this great book of God's wisdom, addresses the subject of words so comprehensively. References to words occur over 140 times in Proverbs, in references like the tongue, lips, words, mouth and speech. And in Proverbs, damaging words that can pierce and wound others are described in different ways. Unfair criticism, lying, flattery, harsh words spoken in anger, sarcasm, hurtful joking, gossip and slander, boasting about oneself and rash speech. Look, we all know what it's like to be on the receiving end of these and sadly we know only too well how to dish them out. Almost always the motive is to boost our own image at the expense of the other person. But today, rather than focus on words at their destructive worst, let's set our eyes on what Proverbs teaches us about words at their best, words that encourage and build up. What are the qualities of such words and what is their source? Now, as we do this, we face two difficulties as we come to the book of Proverbs. Firstly, these references to words and mouth and lips and tongue are scattered through a number of chapters. And secondly, there are so many of them. So what we're going to do is take a sample and from that draw on the qualities and the source of words at their best. What about qualities, first of all? And I'm going to suggest that there are four. The first is words at their best are honest. Proverbs 23 and verse 23. Buy truth, purchase truth and don't sell it. It's that precious. And an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. That a, 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 brings a beautiful word picture of just the great value and the beauty of honesty. And the good part about it is honesty is personified in the Lord Jesus. 
Remember those words of his? I am the way and the truth and the life. He is the truth. So if we fix our eyes on him, then we are in, on solid ground with honesty. And honesty is to be expressed in love. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into Christ. So this teaching on honesty in Proverbs spills over into the person of Jesus and into the behaviour of his people. The second quality is words at their best are limited. Preacher, take note. Even fools who keep silent are considered wise. When they close their lips, they are deemed intelligent. Wow, that, that one sort of strikes at the heart. And secondly, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. But the prudent are restrained in speech. You know, all too often we get into a conversation or we get into a debate and the more we speak, the greater the trouble builds up and builds up and more things are said that ought not to be said. You've all heard the expression, stop digging a hole for yourself. Words that at their best are limited. Words at their best will be controlled is the third of these qualities. One who spares words is knowledgeable. One who is cool in spirit has understanding. And there are three outcomes that uh, flow from controlled speech. Firstly, controlled speech creates fairness. Chapter 18 and verse 13, if one gives an answer before listening, it is folly and shame. And that folly and shame happens because we're not really listening to the other person at all. We don't listen at all because we're formulating our response, especially if the, the, the discussion has descended into a debate and then on into argument and fighting. And in our foolishness, in our losing our, lack, losing our cool, any sense of fairness disappears. A second outcome of controlled speech is that it lowers the temperature. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word builds up anger. Proverbs 15 and verse 1. How easy it is through uncontrolled speech to generate a lot of heat at the expense of light. Controlled speech will reverse that and focus on light. And thirdly, an outcome of controlled speech is a powerful influence, a strong influence. Through patience, we read in Proverbs 25 and verse 15, through patience a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. That's strong language. Uh, maybe uh, he has in the back of his mind, the, the writer here, a, a, a stiff-necked person and the tongue wisely used, the tongue used in a controlled way, has the ability to break down that stiff neck, uh, that stiff neck and enable a good outcome from a conversation. So words at their best are honest. They are limited. 
they are controlled. And finally, words at their best are appropriate. You know, a general truth expressed in isolation obviously makes very little impression. The same truth fitted to a specific situation can be really powerful. I was thinking of this uh, in relation to grandchildren, and we have a bunch of them. And as they've been growing up, they've all had to learn uh, how to appropriately cross roads when they're out walking. And so we have uh, the simple rules that apply. Stop, look, listen. And we can sit down with grandchildren before we go out somewhere uh, and go through these rules. Now, Sophie, when we're out, you must remember when we come to cross the road, you must stop and look and listen. And I can almost envisage Sophie's eyes rolling as I'm going through this stuff. But get her out on the street, come to where we have to cross the road and then say, now, Sophie, what do we have to do? Stop, look, listen. And Sophie immediately does those things because it is the appropriate situation for that instruction to be used. So words need to be appropriate. And have a look at what the writer has to say. To make an apt answer is a joy to anyone and a word in season. This is the appropriate word, how good it is. And then a lovely word picture, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Just picture that one in your mind. So then we have those four qualities of words at their best. But let's go on and ask ourselves, well, what, are the, what is the source of words at their best? And I want to suggest just two. The first one is that a, a great source of words at their best comes from thinking things through prior thought. Friends, I can't tell you the number of times my father used to look at me in exasperation and say, Ian, think before you speak. And then we read this. The mind of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil. And you know, when that pondering uh, is focused on God, then we have something that is really of great value. Look at what the uh, 2 and verse 6 says. And this is referring to God-centred pondering. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The second source, and I only want to dwell on two, the second source of words at their best comes from Christ-like character. Words at their best come from Christ-like character. And so we read from chapter 10, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable. And then, of course, <clears throat> there's that beautiful verse that is sort of acting as an umbrella over this entire series and as a foundation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So a Christ-like character will issue forth Christ-like words, words at their best. And remember Jesus' own statement of fact in Matthew chapter 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Friends, words matter. 
We know it. We've experienced it. God's word declares it. Proverbs teaches it. In a culture and time when destructive words are so in our faces, how do we glorify God with our words? What can we take away from today, Proverbs and the world of words? Well, I want to suggest six actions for you and for me this week. Action number one is let's repent before God for the times that we have hurt others with our words and ask for his forgiveness. Remember John chapter, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So bring those times of failure to God in repentance and seeking forgiveness. Secondly, be willing to apologise. Don't just be willing, do it. <coughs> apologise sincerely to those we know we have hurt at different times, wounded and damaged with our own words. And then at the same time as apologising sincerely to others, be willing to forgive others whose words have hurt you and look to God for healing of your mind and your spirit where damage has been done. Fourthly, commit to reading and applying this teaching from Proverbs daily in your home. Not just now and then, but let this be a part of who you are in your marriage, in your family, in your fr among your friends, in your community, in your workplace, in your use of media. Apply these qualities and sources of words at their best. Honesty, limited, controlled, appropriate words <coughs> and words at their best that come from prior thought and Christ-like character. Yep. And then finally, go to Jesus. Set your minds on those things that are above where Christ is. <coughs> Remember who he is. He is the one in whom is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then receive for yourself, maybe for the very first time today, his wonderful words of life. Jesus was the one who said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Remember, receive, and then respond, all of us, respond and go on responding to his personal invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you and you and you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come to you today, we run to you today, because only you have the words of eternal life. We come to you in our separation and isolation. We come to you in our brokenness. We come to you in our pain from destructive words that have been flung at us. And we come to you in confession and repentance for cruel and thoughtless words we have aimed at others. 
we come to you to learn how to use our words wisely and lovingly. We come to you in our longing for peace and restoration and assurance. Thank you, Jesus, for receiving us and making us your own. Amen. Friends, we're going to conclude our worship time by joining together in this great song of affirmation, In Christ Alone.